How about it? The Phillies won a baseball game last night after getting swept by the Red Sox over the weekend. The Phillies back in action after the off day Monday. Back at it yesterday, and they hang on down in Atlanta for a 5-4 win, getting the best of Dallas Keuchel, which certainly felt sweet, obviously, as we've discussed. Uh, I personally have no illusions of a playoff run here, though. Again, you know, if they win, uh, you know, 12 of the last 13, 13 going into uh, to last night, uh, if they win 12 going into tonight, excuse me, they are 77 and 72. So if they win 12 of the last 13, who knows? You know, that's what happened against them in the faded uh, 1964 uh, 10, uh, 10 games to play, six and a half back. But again, the problem with this one is they got multiple teams to pass, but the Phillies do gain uh, a little ground as they win last night 5-4 to four over the Braves. Again, a uh, exciting game uh, as the Phillies go down early in the first. Velasquez, a really rough first inning, allows a couple runs, but then really settles in after that, gives him five innings, two earned, five hits, eight strikeouts, two walks, 94 pitches over five innings, a classic Vinny start. And then after that, the bullpen holds up for the most part, uh, and certainly in the end enough, as the Phillies get all their runs with one big inning. Reese Hoskins gets the scoring start off with a two-run bomb to right. Bryce Harper scoring that one, making it 2-2. Two two. Then a Cesar Hernandez ground out a uh, Jose Perella, which we'll get to. Uh, uh, two-run bomb as well, 5-2. Then the Phillies just able to hang on. As the relief pitching falters a little bit, but ultimately Hector Neres in a shaky nine gets through it and gets the Phillies the victory. We will dive into it all. This is Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Wednesday, September the 18th as we again come off a 5-4 victory, a scary, intense, thought they were going to blow up victory in a Danny Hedge of Rhea Homer in the 8th. Gets you scared, and then Adam Duvall hits a moonshot in the ninth off Hector Neris, and then Hector Neris allows a runner to third with only one out. Oh, buddy. Heart of the order coming up, but he's able to get Josh Donaldson and Freddie Freeman out and back-to-back at bats. Really nice job by Hector there, gritting down again. That when It just felt like they were going to lose that game, didn't it? You know, it's just been um, the way this uh, this last part of the season has, has gone down. I was like, of course, of course. They're gonna lose this game. Even at the point when I oh I I, I went into it saying all right now that I'm I'm officially resigned that I'm not making the playoffs they'll rattle off like five in a row or something which you know they still could do, but uh, in the moment last night I felt like yeah now that I'm resigned they're still gonna gut punch me with a loss even though I'm just trying to enjoy the last couple weeks of the season here, um, but ultimately they didn't they held on as uh, Velasquez again a really rough first inning but then really settles in. After that, it gives them five. And then again, the bullpen shaky on a couple home runs, but otherwise pretty solid as they pull out the victory, winning five to four again. A um, fun game, fun win as the Phillies again, you know. As Gabe said, every game is game seven from now moving forward. Um, nice to hear. Um, but again, a, uh, a big win. It was nice, a nice win, let's say. Big is uh, maybe a little strong, as I'm sure they'll. Find a way to come out and uh, screw it up tonight. We'll dive into looking into that game coming up in a bit. But, uh, again, nice nice win yesterday. Look, they uh, they have to win every game for the most part from here on out. So, 
They won last night. We'll see what happens tonight. We'll dive into that, of course. Uh, coming up, some some bad news heading into the game yesterday, though, as we did find out that Corey Dickerson done for the season with a broken foot. Such a bummer as he'd been having the foot issues. Turns out there's a break in there, and he's done for the season. A shame as it could be likely, as we've talked about with the glut of outfielders they have, that um, it could be the last Corey Dickerson as a Philly that we, we see, uh, which is a shame because I think, uh, you know, if Corey Dickerson just leaves and signs somewhere else in the offseason, and again, hopefully the Phillies try and bring him back, even though there's a glutted outfield, you find ways to get good hitters in the lineup, and um, I think they could find ways, uh, but, um, you know, I, I think it's unlikely as, uh, again, you got Andrew McCutcheon coming back, Bryce Harper out there, obviously Adam Hazley. Um, we don't know where Scott Kingery is going to go, depending on what they do at other positions. There's a lot to talk about. Of course, we'll talk about it all, including coming up. I want to look at some of the potential storylines to to track as the season comes to an end here. But um, it's uh, it's an interesting situation because Corey Dickerson did nothing but be awesome here. And if this is the end of his tenure as a Philly, he will be remembered fondly in a season that won't be remembered fondly, a season that we've all gotten so angst-ridden and angry about all year long, uh, Corey Dickerson will come out of the season one of the few people we look back at and be like, yo, that dude was awesome. I loved having Corey Dickerson here. All that dude did was hit every every night. Every night Corey Dickerson got something done, it felt like. So um, speedy recovery to Corey, and I would be very happy to see you back as Philadelphia Philly next year, but I'm not counting on it. But again, Corey Dickerson, really nice tenure in the Philly, and that Gives us a nice kind of uh, segue into to starting to look ahead. And, again, we'll look at tonight's game coming up and, um, you know, the, the matchup with the Braves. Is again, they did win last night. But um, I do uh, I do want to start to begin to look ahead to what's coming up. As, again, uh, you know, as I've made it pretty clear, I don't, I don't think the Phillies are making the playoffs. So um, there's going to be a lot of interesting storylines coming up. I said yesterday, and, and the more I think about it, um, you know, we had talked so much going into the last season about how it was the most important offseason in the history of the franchise, potentially, with the Harper Machado situations and really trying to finally put a, a playoff team on the field in Philadelphia after almost a decade without playoff baseball. Um you know, strong words from John Middleton, strong moves from Matt Klintag for the most part. Um, you know, they, they really made a push to, to get back to being a relevant baseball team. And look, they were relevant, at least um, more so. Um, but this offseason really has the chance to be close to or just as important, depending on how things go down there. Could be a new manager. There could be theoretically a new general manager, but I think that's incredibly unlikely. Uh, a new scouting director. There's a lot of stuff to get into. Let's dive into that. As um, you know, when you look at kind of what's coming up this offseason, I wanted to just kind of preview the potential storylines we'll see, and obviously not dive into depth as we have days and weeks to do that. And and in the case of free agency, probably months, as we know that. Um, we remember this past offseason. Remember not to fall into the traps of thinking things are going to get done early, especially with the bigger names. But um, looking into this offseason, and again, look, I'm I'm as I do this, I'm I'm wistful. I am so sad that this season is not going to end the way we want it to. I'm I'm excited for the Major League Baseball playoffs. I think they're the best thing around. You know, so underrated. They are just so much fun. 
And uh, and I'm bummed the Phillies won't be in it again. You know, there's nothing better than a red October in Philly. We all know that. We remember how awesome it was last decade in the 2007 through 2011 run that we had is just uh it was amazing and it was awesome and it was so much fun to have playoff baseball be a a regular part of our lives and um it's a shame that that's not going to start this year i hope soon that uh that we do get that chance to to feel that excitement again in the near future preferably next season um because it is awesome but looking ahead and i think uh, you know i talked a lot about this yesterday in depth but uh, you know, I won't belabor it uh, or begaber it. Nope. Then Mark, I apologize. I'll never do that again. But uh, I don't want to belabor it too much. But I do think that heading into the offseason, the number one decision to be made and the ramifications of those decisions will be the decision whether or not to retain Gabe Kapler as manager. That is... Um, going to be a massive, massive decision for this organization as the Phillies will, um, you know, set the course of their franchise one way or another, as we've seen, you know, look, I, 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 if you want to hear my thoughts on what will happen with Gabe, you know, you can go back and listen to yesterday's show, but needless to say, if I had to bet on it, and again, I don't feel strongly, I, I would bet on, on Gabe not being retained as manager, but again, I think he could be, there's a chance. And I think both things you know set different directions for this franchise if he's back i think it tells you that um you know clintag and all that have one more shot to really really do this thing and if he's not back i think it could be a really interesting situation where i think clintag is back and look that could be the whole other domino to fall if if somehow matt clintag loses his job but again i'm i'm highly unlikely in my mind that that actually happens but i do think that there's a real chance that kapler does and and the ramifications of that are obviously massive as you think about the type of names that could be brought in here and obviously the names that have been floated already obviously ken rosendahl in that piece uh, mentioned a few names but you know the, the names that have been floated are the names you would expect the joe girardis of the world uh you know the uh, Joe Madden, who will likely leave the Cubs after the season, his contract is up. They've had real friction between the ownership group and him. I think it is a, a almost certainty that Joe Madden will leave the Cubs. You never know if they go on a playoff run. Maybe um, you know they, they're they're convinced to keep him. Uh, you know, but I think it's unlikely. And uh, Buck Showalter was another name. I think that's unlikely, but you never know. Mike Sosha is someone who lives in um, is from this area. Um, uh, on the record, I think that would be the single worst hire they could make. My social would set this team back eons. I think that would be a disastrous hire, literally disastrous. I mean, just look up some of the articles about Mike Sosha and how he interacted with the GM in Anaheim uh, with the Angels, you know, towards the end of his tenure. And I think he was, like, lying to the GM, and they were, like, not listening to the scout, like, not using the analytics provided them. And, I mean, that's just silly. And uh, Sosha, obviously a very old-school guy and also just kind of from a different era and time of baseball. So I think that would be a horrible decision. But I do think that, look, I, I wouldn't be opposed to Joe Madden. I wouldn't be opposed to Joe Girardi. Those are two guys who obviously have won a World Series as a manager, which matters when you're going from a guy like Gabe Kapler who has zero um, resume as a manager coming into the job when you know the guys in that clubhouse look at Gabe, they, they see a guy who has – and rightfully so, they see a guy who's only managed for a couple years now in Major League Baseball, whereas they see Joe Girardi or they see Joe Madden, they say, all right, that dude won a World Series. That guy's been a really good manager for a really long time. So I do think that 
that type that type of iron makes sense from that perspective of the idea of bringing, for lack of a better phrase, an adult into the room. You know, someone who they feel is is a um, a venerable type of manager who's going to be respected in that clubhouse. I think, you know, as we talked a lot about yesterday on the show with Gabe, but you know, I think that um, if they do decide to move on from Gabe. I think that they're going to want someone who is kind of not the anti-Gabe, but someone who's different from Gabe. Look, they're going to hire someone who is is invested in somewhere in other analytics. Joe Madden, we all know, is very analytics laden, but I don't think a lot of people realize that Joe Girardi used a ton of analytics stuff when he was with the Yankees and was really good at kind of fusing the uh, the analytics with the with the gut and stuff, which we love here in Philly, don't we? Um, so I think Joe Girardi makes a ton of sense if he wants to do it. I think Joe Madden makes a ton of sense if he wants to do it. And I think there are probably a lot of other smart bench coaches and, and baseball people who've been around the game for a while who would be a, a, a really nice hire. Again, I don't think that they would bring that same type of, of like we talked about, um, credibility to the locker room the same way that a former manager, a former World Series winning manager would. And um, I think it's going to be interesting. The other ramification of that, uh, of let's say they bring in Joe Madden or Joe Girardi, use those two as examples, and Matt Klintag is retained. Matt Klintag, in a situation where the hand-picked manager he hired, the guy he hired, the guy who, you know, kind of implemented his vision for the organization on the field, at the field level for the Phillies, has just been fired. And a hire has been made. Essentially, look, if they hire Joe Madden or Joe Girardi, we don't know for sure. But I think the the inference we could make is that that was a John Middleton decision, or at least a heavily influenced John Middleton decision. So that sets up a situation potentially again, of course, where you have a manager and a general manager are kind of at odds. And a manager who has, to be frank, if it's one of those two guys, even more footing in terms of credibility within the game than Matt Klintag does. So, um, and they'll probably have the ear of Middleton if, if Middleton's the one who brings him in. And again, this is all a lot of, of conjecture and subjection and all that, but I do think that there's a, a world where that is a, the, the way it plays out, a very likely potential world where someone like that is hired and it is a John Middleton decision because he wants to say, all right, we're bringing in a grown-up, we're bringing in someone who's done this before, someone who can win, and, and let's go. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired of, of the perception of this club in this city. And if he does that, then again, that puts Klintak in a weird position too because, again, I don't think he's getting rid of Klintak. So it's a really interesting situation. And thus, I think the, the Gabe Domino, so to speak, is the will be the first to fall. And I think it's a really important one. I think it's going to really shape how the franchise moves forward. And again, if they bring Gabe and, and Klintak both back, I think that's, look, that's going to be a, I mean, it'll definitely show that John Middleton does not care about public perception the same way we thought he did and has in the past. You know, referencing the Twitter poll with Bryce Harper and all that type of stuff. But um, that will not be a, a well-liked decision. And again, I'm not saying Kapler should go. I think Klentak, I would be fine with him going, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, regardless, the first domino will be the Gabe thing, and obviously Klentak, if there isn't, again, I really think that's highly unlikely, but it's going to be really interesting. And the Klentak-Kapler dynamic and all that stuff really shapes a lot of things moving forward. Speaking of which, some more storylines that I foresee us getting into that we want to talk about coming up. It's 
we will get into a whole lot more as well looking ahead to the Braves game tonight and more. So stay right there. It's Phillies Today with James Seltzer. We're coming right back. We are back, Phillies Today, James Seltzer. We've already talked about the Gabe Kapler will there, won't they uh, storyline and, and the, how it relates to Matt Klintag. A few other interesting storylines that I want to just mention as things that we will be talking about as this offseason goes along. And um, the first, uh, along with Clint Tag and Middleton, also when will those guys speak at the end of the season? What will their message be? Obviously, will it be about a Kapler firing? Will Middleton come out and say, and say hey, I'm, I'm invested again. Let's go. And will they spend money? <laughs> I think that's going to be a massive thing. And, and that leads us to one that you know I think is going to be a really interesting subplot of this entire offseason is, is Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, by far the best pitcher and hitter on the market. Both guys are elite free agents, to use a Gabe Kaplerism. They are elite. Garrett Cole could win the AL Cy Young, and he is just awesome. Just awesome. I mean, he is dynamite. He is worth every penny he'll get in the trade in the uh, offseason. But and Anthony Rendon is leading the National League in hitting, leading the majors in hitting, maybe even betting 335 on the season. The dude is awesome. So um, I think it's going to be a really interesting subplot of the offseason is will they spend money? Uh, you know, look, they have to revamp this team, as we know. And the other subplot attached to this or, or you know, storyline attached to this is, and this is a massive thing, and it ties into the money thing, and it ties into Garrett Cole, not Rendon, but what are they going to do about the pitching in the bullpen, uh, the starting staff in the bullpen? I mean, there is no way that Matt Klentak or this organization, if Klentak's not here and again, unlikely, there's no way this organization can go into next season without massive, massive rehauls in the starting rotation in the bullpen. I mean, first and foremost, the bullpen... I mean, you know, you always need overall, but this is a a disaster, as we know. And look, David Robertson was supposed to be your closer. He's not going to pitch next year. So you have to find a closer. I don't think Hector Neris is a closer long term. Sir Anthony Dominguez, who the hell knows if he's going to be back next year. Pat Neshek, cooked. Tommy Hunter, done. Contract over. I mean, they don't have a bullpen. We don't have a bullpen right now with Morin and Hughes and all these guys. They don't have a bullpen next season. Massive. Massive. They have to build a bullpen. And then, as we all know, Aaron Knoll is the only starter we feel good about. Unless they bring up Spencer Howard, that's two guys. And obviously, Howard's a rookie, and they're going to be growing pains. But that's it. I'm guessing they'll keep Eflin in the rotation just because there is upside there, and he has had success at the major league level, and they like him, but that's it, right? I mean, Nick Pavetta is not going to be in the rotation. They can't trot out Vinny Velasquez again for another year. Jason Vargas won't be in the rotation, or maybe he will. That wouldn't shock me with the one-year cheap-ish option they have on him. But they have to do something, and they know it. I'm sure they know it. They, they can't go into next season without doing something. Something massive in that area. And Garrett Cole, will they or won't they spend money, is a massive part of it. Because after that, the... Options aren't nearly as uh, as dynamite. They could find multiple guys for a certain amount of money. Maybe we see some creative trades. But this team, you will, we will talk about it nonstop here, other places, everywhere. Revamp the staff, top to bottom. That is a massive storyline this offseason, and it really ties into the will they spend money? How big a dog does John Middleton want to be? You talk about being a big boy. Top 
five market. They're the 11th highest payroll in baseball. That's not good enough. It's just not. It's the only advantage they have over teams like the Braves. They have to go spend money. And whether it's on one guy or a bunch of guys, you need a lot. So that's going to be a massive, massive storyline this offseason. Will they spend money? How do they address the bullpen and the rotation? And uh, and will they go for a big guy? Um, two more quick ones to mention, then we'll look at to tonight that we know will be storylines. One that is already kind of surfacing is the J.G. Romito extension and um, what it will be. Both sides seem amenable to it. I think we all know that. I think it's likely J.T. is re-signed. It's going to be a really interesting contract, as we've talked about a ton of times, the idea that you know he's someone who is – a lot of his value is derived from playing the catcher position. You know, that's that's where you get a lot of his value. And who knows how long he'll be able to play it for. You know, and you hope that if you sign him for four or five years that he can play catcher the entire time. Um, you know, he's 29. You know, what, 34? Is he going to be back there and be as valuable? Probably not. So it's a really interesting contract discussion. It's going to be a really interesting contract to see when it comes out. This is going to be a big one because it's going to help, uh, you know, kind of, you have to resign him. They have a choice. He's way too important. We all know that. He was the best player on the team this year. But um, it's going to be interesting because there are a lot of factors that weigh into it. Ultimately, I think they figure out a nice number for him. Um, they've done a good job with contracts and structuring and stuff for the most part. Or at least, you know, again, they found ways to not have to pay money for certain things or whatever. So, uh, like Jay Bruce getting him for nothing. Um, but... Um, it's going to be a really big storyline immediately. This is one that, that's already happening, and, and they need to resign him. I think they will get him resigned, but it's one to watch. And you know, hopefully they don't they don't overpay because that that could hinder them moving forward. Obviously. All right, uh, the last one before we look at tonight, uh, the scouting director position. I mentioned it before, and I know it's kind of an under the radar thing, but it's so incredibly important. We talk all the time about this organization's lack of talent in the minor leagues, depth in the minor leagues, guys they can bring up and cycle in and out. And hey, look, I was talking about how desperately they need a bullpen. There are a lot of teams that bring guys up and form the vast majority of the bullpen from their minor league pitchers. We don't do that. We have Ranger Suarez and Cole Irvin in the bullpen, you know, guys who developed and stuff. Hector Neris, you know what I'm saying. Like, come on. Come on. This is a massive thing. And to see whether they promote from within or go out and get someone from a smart team is going to be a massive telltale sign of where this organization is headed. If they promote from within, or if they sign someone like the Orioles, someone like Klentak knows or something, disaster. Disaster. But if they go and poach somebody from the Indians or the Rays or the Yankees or one of these really smart teams, the Astros, that's a really good sign. And that means that, that there's, you know, to feel more optimistic. Because this is a really important thing. This county director is really important. This team is drafted so poorly. It's massive. It's so incredibly important, and we don't talk about it nearly enough. This scouting director position, which will probably go largely, largely undercovered in terms of, of media when it happens, is massive. So, so keep an eye out for it. All right, tonight, Phillies-Braves game two as the Phillies look to take another one. Aforementioned Zach Eflin on the hill against Julio Tehran. The Phillies have hit Tehran pretty well in the past. This is a nice one. Um, a chance for them to look. And then they got Nolan and Soroka on, uh, on Thursday at a 12-10 day game. So you never know what happens with those types of games. And then heading to Cleveland for the weekend. So game by game. Get him tonight, Zach. Get him tonight, Eflin. Come on, F. 
Uh, look, hopefully they can keep winning and make it a little fun towards the stretch. Who knows? Maybe we get a little fun. Look, they're only four back now. Cubs lost. Brewers won. So the four back of both the Cubs and the Brewers tied with the Mets. Uh, we're a half game up on the Mets. But um, no, tied with the Mets. Um, but regardless, um, let's roll. Why not? Let's have some fun. Hopefully they win tonight and we'll keep talking about it. Until then, we will talk tomorrow. So thank you for listening to Philly's Day right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network.